0: Welcome to Music Defender, a podcast devoted to the maligned, misunderstood, and misinterpreted music of our lives, the records and artists who didn't get a fair shake or, sadly, people love to hate. Join us each week as we defend these gems from the tides of history and set the record straight. The formal the formal start here. Um, so we've got the one and only Ari Weiss uh, guesting today um, in the vein of our, our buddy uh, uh, Maddie and Damon a few weeks back or months at this point. But he's going to sit in for uh, Max, who's in Germany, and it's, I don't know, two in the morning there or something. So and he's got a lot of homework. But we are going to try to get him involved asynchronously, I think is the thing you say these days. We're going to have him send him a copy of the show. He can listen and comment, and hopefully, he'll, he'll chime in. But we're excited to be here today to hear uh, Michael defend the Stone Roses. Um, so, without further ado, hand it over to Michael and let's, let's hear
1: what these guys are all about and why you think that second album is actually incredible, I guess. Yeah, so uh, I'm defending the Roses. I'm defending, supposed to be defending their second album second coming but i have a feeling i'm going to have to defend both of their albums um but i'm prepared to do that
0: i see ari's got his notepad since it's it's going to heat up (laughs) All right, stone roses. So, oh yeah, that's a good
2: note.
3: <laughs> Scribblings, scene, just my feelings, yeah. my feelings about. Them. He was driven wild uh, by my, kid, my kids, my kids. Sorry, it's a joint <laughs> notebook.
0: <laughs> looks like some John Squire cover art there. <laughs> it totally does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway.
3: Okay.
0: So, oh yeah, actually, Ari, real quick, Ari is also a, uh, a painter, so he might have some. Oh yeah, nice. He might have some thoughts on the cover art because that was the
1: guitarist of the cover yeah yeah john did all the and the singles and i got a little funny anecdote about that later on um all right so stone roses just in general i mean specifically second coming their second album um so just to go back a little bit um the stone roses are from manchester england um it's four guys ian brown is the singer john squire is the guitar player wicked guitar player Uh, Manny is the bass player and and Manny is the drummer and they formed, I think it was 1980 maybe when they were pretty young and there were a bunch of lineup changes. I think they traded some members with the Smiths, um, maybe new order too, but uh, they finally ended up on their, on their final lineup a handful of of years later, um, put out some singles. They were kind of old school, which is fitting because their music kind of harkens back to 60s um, rock and roll. Um, and they kind of did the 60s Beatles thing. They they put out a bunch of singles first before their first album, which are are really great. And they're collected on uh, an album called The Complete Stone Roses. It's all their singles and, and B-sides. It's really great. Uh, but then they finally put out their first album in 89. Uh, so May 2nd, 1989, self-titled Stone Roses, Stone Roses. It didn't set the world on fire, Right away, um, it was not a huge seller at first. It uh, took a little time to uh, to kind of catch on, and a lot of that was due to their live shows, which were notorious and and kind of legendary. Um, they were, we'll be talking about Oasis a couple of times tonight, but they were kind of like uh, an earlier version of Oasis or a later version of the Kinks, I guess. You know, they weren't brothers, but. You know, they their stage antics were were pretty pretty legendary. Um, their their shows were they jammed a lot. Um, I think the shows, the music came across a little bit differently live than it did on the album. Um, but their live shows are what kind of got word of mouth spread, and that first album started to to sell a lot in England, specifically Europe. Not really in the U.S. Stone Roses never really caught on big in the US like like they did in in England you know we'll talk in a little bit about the accolades of the band but the first album specifically is, is just huge huge in England it's like i read a good quote from some cultural critic in England that said that he said it's part of england's cultural dna the first stone roses album yeah uh, i saw just quick note on that i saw a couple of aerial shots of some of their concerts
0: and it was insane. I, I couldn't believe yeah. it. Spe- speaking of how popular.
1: Yeah. They, they, uh, the concerts were, I mean, I wish that's one of the bands uh, I wish I, I could have I could go back and see. Well, and actually there's an anecdote. Uh, so, you know, Liam and Noel are, you know, legendarily uh, curmudgeons about, you know, a lot of stuff, but music, especially they just, they shit on everything. Right. But the stone roses, they both love and they, they were at, I think it was Liam's first concert ever and one of Noel's first concerts. I think Liam was 16. It was an early Stone Roses show. And that's, I think Noel's quote was something like, um, after that concert, I knew what my destiny was. And then Liam decided after seeing that show or sorry, Noel. Yeah, no, Liam decided to be a singer. Basically the band Oasis, you know, was formed that evening. It's kind of like the, the, the sex pistol story, right. About everybody that went to the show, started a band. So, so they, they definitely influenced a lot with, I mean, the, the scene that they kind of were, I guess, the leaders of along with the happy Mondays um, was, you know, the Manchester scene, right. So a lot of bands from Manchester, a uh, baggy was, was one of the terms for the, for the music. And it was kind of a, a mix of, of dance music and, A little bit of drum and bass, some rock and roll. Happy Mondays had a little bit more kind of world influence. Stone Roses were a little more psychedelic. Um, But it was a huge scene. I mean, you guys know, you guys, you guys were there at that time, right? I mean, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, we were there. I mean,
3: right when this is kind of peaking, ninety, ninety-one. It just over my head, totally over my head, because it was like part of a rave thing, and that I was too, I missed as well. I was too American, and I didn't rave, and that was part of the rave sound. You know, it's
0: funny. There was this, there was a place on our campus. We went to University of East Anglia, Norwich and the lower common room, the LCR. I think you played it a few times, Ari.
3: Yeah. I just, I don't know. Dance rock. It's hard but yeah, to I mean, put it, to find every, a place for it. I mean,
0: those bands all came, you know, they, I mean, they played there like in spiral carpets and um, Jesus Jones. And they played this on our campus. And,
3: and I love Oasis and I love Britpop, <clears> but just this particular, there was just something about the jamming. It's too grateful dead. Like that. Yeah. The jamming makes it something different than what I like, which is a short, concise song. And, and British Britpop and like pop is short and concise. And it's not like they go on and on a lot, but sometimes they, they do enough where I was like, nah, I just couldn't after four minutes, I just couldn't. Yeah.
0: Right. But I was definitely hanging in the LCR and I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely a, I was aware there was a scene, but I was definitely not like part of it. And I wasn't like a raver kid, but it was definitely a part of the, you know, the culture then.
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, I'd heard of them and I
1: know it's seminal. It's a seminal record. I know that much. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, I mean, the, the Manchester scene, I guess, kind of, <clears throat> I mean, I think, and other people have said this, uh, but th- that they, in a way, I mean, Britpop was was kind of a return to, you know, England ruled, you know, pop music in the, in the sixties. Right. And Britpop was kind of an, an a neo version of that, right. It's back to kind of melodic and, and the bands obviously, you know, differed. Pulp was different from Blur and different Oasis, but it was kind of a, a harkening back to sixties pop music that England, you know, was so good at Bowie and everything in the sixties and even early seventies. But I think the Manchester scene, I think the roses in particular kind of set the stage for the return. And I think a lot of the bands were influenced by the stone roses that, that formed the Brit pop scene. And the roses are, it's interesting because they're, they are like, are you talking about dance music? Like that's, they're considered kind of a mix of, of dance. I mean, the, the whole scene, the Manchester scene was influenced by, um, ecstasy was, was a huge, huge thing. Like, you know, you're talking about the rave scene and everything. And so that was a big part of the, of, of music and and the scene. And I, I feel like the stone roses, so they are considered, you know, kind of like dance, a hybrid of dance music and, and rock and roll and pop right it's kind of the the mix a little bit of like drum and bass the the rhythm section is is really good they're really underrated manny and Ray really really cool weird rhythm section but um i never really i you know i don't when i listen to the stone roses i don't really think of them as a dance band so much there's a couple of songs that are a little like their earlier singles were, were dancier but by the time they put the first album out I, I consider that album just straight, like, psychedelic pop. You know what I mean? Like, it reminds me of Revolver a little bit. I mean, they do a lot of the back Beatles, like, backward tape loops type stuff on a couple of tunes. And so it just, it really reminds me of, it's just a psychedelic pop album, I think. I don't really think too much of it as, as a dance album. But it, you know, it eventually caught on, sold. It became a huge cultural thing, obviously, the scene and everything. And now it's, you know, it, I mean, I don't know if you guys looked at, like, the Wikipedia page of, of the accolades. I mean, it's kind of ri- ridiculous, frankly. I mean, I love it. I think it's like a, a basically pr- perfect album, but it's like, I think the NME editors voted it the greatest British album of all time, which if you think about that for just two sets, sa- I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a stretch. It, it's, you can't argue that. I mean, think of the bands from England. I mean, you know, it's, it's like crazy. So, but that's not, I mean, that's not even that out of the audience. It's just, you know, five-star reviews, After five-star review, 10 out of 10, um, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of insane. It's it's some of these quotes, although, you know, it's interesting. Well, here, I'll I'll read some of the, some of the positives first, just because they're so, so in 1997, it was named the second greatest album of all time in the music of the Millennium Poll conducted by HMV Channel 4, The Guardian and Classic FM. In 1998, Q Magazine placed it at the number four greatest album of all time. Well, in 2000, the same magazine placed it at number 29 in the 100 Greatest British Albums Ever. In 2004, the album was voted the best British album of all time in the Observer's Poll of 100 Musicians and Critics. And that's musicians and critics, not not just fans, you know. Um, You know, received the Greatest Album Ever award, the NME Premier Awards. Um, It's in uh, that book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. It's number uh, 11, so, you know, and there's, it just goes on and on and on and on. Now th- there are a couple detractors and uh Joe, one of them is Jim DeRogatis. He, he does not like. Uh, local Hero. The Roses, yeah. And he doesn't like the album. Um, well, it's
0: funny because he's a big psychedelic guy. He does like, I mean, he's a punk guy, but I think he has an appreciation for psychedelic.
1: Yeah, I know. Which I, I would think that, you would think that, you know, he he would like that aspect of it in 2020 so this is recent so, i mean i guess you could chalk some of this stuff up to like oh it was in the '80s. the polls were from the early 2000s but this year's one from in 2020 it came in third in the bbc radio 2 ultimate 80s album poll beating albums such as thriller appetite for destruction and purple rain so i mean it, it's uh it's pretty crazy how you know the, the i mean it's 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 a Any really better than appetite for destruction <laughs> yeah i, I mean it, honestly i again i love the album and i listen to it all the time but even even i, I think that's
0: i think i bet you that him. jim doesn't like some of the stuff about it that ari doesn't like like when ari which was is really like,
3: jamming sorry you're in to show yeah it's the jamming, yeah, yeah. right he can be psychedelic
1: without being long-winded
3: and well here he, he,
1: he says uh jim derogat has felt the Stone Roses had been highly overrated by critics, the album pointing to a quote, lame retread disco beat and Oh, so dated chiming guitars unquote. So, you know, I don't know. You know, there's been criticism I've heard from some, some people before where they feel like, I don't agree with this at all, but they think the songs sound really similar. Um, And you know what, actually one person I just saw, I didn't even know this until today. Joe, our favorite our favorite fruit musician, uh, Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips. The Flaming Lips recorded an entire cover album. Yeah. The what? The entire, they just did it note for note. The entire album It's very weird. I don't okay, know. Okay, I
2: need to hear that. I love The Flaming Lips.
1: Yeah, we'll check it out. I think it's, I listened to a little bit of it today and it sounds very similar. The Stone Roses? They did the Stone Roses first. That's shocking. They just covered the whole album front, like the track list. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't come across that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and what's weird is Wayne Coyne. I read an interview with him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like a lot of the songs sound similar, and I don't even like them that much." But we covered the whole album, and he's like, "I like the music though," so I don't know what what that's supposed to mean. But
3: that's they 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 just do something that sounds so whack, and then it's like, oh. They're just ahead of their time, and the guy's a genius. So that's very flaming lips, actually.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna play before we move on to. That's just you know, a little background on the on the band and their first time, which was like earth shaking. Basically, it was a huge deal. Again, in Britain, right? Um, but I just wanted to play one song that I think a is an amazing, amazing song, but that also kind of it, it's just a it's a good benchmark and it's a good example of kind of the sound. Of the first album. I don't
3: have to sell my soul. He's already in me. I don't need to sell my soul. He's already in me. I want to be a soul.
1: So I feel like you can hear. Um, I, I mean, I think John Square is a really incredible guitar player. I feel like you can hear some Johnny Marr in there. You know what I mean? Like some Smiths. Definitely. Uh, you definitely has Smiths influence. Yeah, I, I feel like this song, especially, re- really has this kind of a Smiths vibe to it. So, so anyway, that the first um, you know, it's it's huge. It, it, after a little bit of time of them touring and everything, it's it just t- creates a whole new scene, takes over the UK, and and then they decide. We're going to sign with a major label because they were on Silvertone Records, which is a smaller label, and they had a five-year contract. They didn't like the how they were paid. They didn't think they were paid enough money, and so they tried to get out of their contract, but Silvertone wouldn't wouldn't let them. So basically, they were in limbo. They couldn't do anything for five years, right? Which you know, in retrospect, probably killed the band because they had such momentum. They didn't want to do anything else for Silvertime because they were, you know, pissed off that they were screwing them. So a five-year gap for a band that big—that's a long time, right?
0: Especially well, yeah, like- and that and that scene was so kind of specific, and the oh, whole totally. scene, the whole scene
1: started fizzling. So they like had no place yeah. by the time it ended. Exactly, yeah. and, and I think that you know, one of the, I think one of the reasons why when Second Coming. Eventually came out, which you know I find hilarious. So whenever I, I, the stone they were so big on the religious like iconography and language, you know what I mean. It's like it takes some fucking balls to call your second album second Coming," you know what I mean? And then like "I Am the Resurrection" on the on the first I mean they've they all that shit right. So I'm sure that they you were saying it.
0: that about Coldplay in the last show. I think you're that's right. <laughs> you're <laughs> you honest. got a you got a lot of conspiracies here about religion. British rock, British <laughs> rock <laughs> and religion. <laughs> yeah.
1: So anyway, so Second Coming comes out uh, December 5th, 1994. So five years, been five long years. People have been, you know, clamoring for a Stone Roses album. Finally drops. I, I, remember, um, I remember when it came out, it was uh, a pretty big dud. People were upset. And I think there's a few reasons, probably. I think, you know, some people would say that the song's, weren't as good uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the criticism you, you know aria like kind of like what you were saying the the first album even though they do a little bit of jamming like i am the resurrection is a jam that's like 11 <clears throat> long and and they do um the fourth song i forget the name of it on the, on the first don't, album. St- don't stop yeah, yeah where it's like that like kind of reverse tape loop kind of thing so there there's a little bit of um you know like a little bit of jamming, a little bit of ex- experimentation but most of the songs were, were pretty tight you know they were pretty tight psychedelic kind of pop tunes but second coming was um was not that it was it, a lot of the heat is that comes from the fact that people thought the songs were kind of undercooked you know or that they went on too long all right like you're saying that's a big complaint um personally i love i love that stuff that's totally in my wheelhouse but uh, you know i think a just overall, the, the the scene was gone pretty much, which hurt them a lot too. But the sound in general was more of a, a jammier, psychedelic blues rock record as opposed to a pop, a 60s psycho pop album, right? It's, it has a different, which is true. I mean, a third of the songs, I'd say, are are in that kind of bluesy rock and roll vein. And again, I I love that stuff. So that's you know one of the reasons I love the album so much, but... But I think the album is a lot more than it's given credit for. Um, There's a lot wider range of songs on it um, than you'd think, uh, or at least that people talk about, you know? Um, And again, you know, like I said, it takes balls to open or to call your record second coming, but it takes balls too to open it with a 12 minute long jam i mean you know like that's the first fucking song you think that'd be the last song you know like on the first no that's the opener it's a 12 minute jam that doesn't really get started like till there, there's nine.
0: something there's something a little sad about it like i mean a lot sad about it they're like kind of swirled away with all that fame and they go through all these legal troubles they i think they were trying to come out to your point with this incredible album right that was just going to blow people's minds and sort of like yeah, a, a dud. You know, you know, from the name to the intro track, they probably thought they were going to do something like Chinese epic. democracy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, me, I, mean, I, I
1: bet they did. But well, I think that they they didn't really do anything. I think for four of the five years, they just kind of they, they, it was legendary. They would just they were just hanging out in Manchester. Like people would see them at the pubs and stuff, and be like, "What are you guys doing?" You know, they would just be drinking, hanging out, doing nothing. And they,
3: they did they,
1: drugs. And then, yeah, drugs. Right. And then I think the fifth year I, I read something that said they worked like 374 10 hour days in a row like to make this record. So it, it definitely, you know, they worked on it. It, it. And there are I will say also there's in addition to the songs on the album, um, there are a handful of really good singles that are part of um, the three singles that they put out as 12 inch vinyls There were one or two or three additional uh songs they're on each of those so there's probably like five extra songs that are on the album they're all really good as well so they had a lot of material the album's long it's like an hour and 15 minutes long it's a double album um the songs are long you know 12 minutes seven minutes seven minutes six and a half minutes i mean they there, there's a lot and, and john squire i think it's you know you can clearly took over uh and steered the the direction of the album but like i said i think there are songs it's a much wider range of songs than just the psychedelic blues jam stuff and, and this is this is one of them and this would have fit uh 10 story love song would have fit right in on on the first stop. Say that was the second single, I think, off the album. So, you know, I, I think that, like I said, that fits right in with the first album. And I'm sure people that, that you know, picked up Second Coming were happy with that. Um, but I really think that's one of the only songs that, that would fit perfectly on the first record, which I, again, I think is super cool because this album is all over the place. Um, There's a song called Your Star Will Shine uh, that I think is a really cool kind of Zeppelin-esque acoustic. Like, I think it would have fit right in on Zep 3. I think he's playing a 12-string acoustic maybe, but uh, that song is great. There's a song called Straight to the Man that's um, kind of a swampy, it's hilarious. It's got a mouth harp, you know. Uh, It reminds me of the Stones, like exile era. Rolling Stones. Um, But then there's a song that is kind of like what we were talking about earlier uh, when early Stone Roses that were kind of dancier. And there was a song that, that uh, I think was maybe the third single called Begging You, which this is, uh, this is about as dancy as they ever got. I think. Just real quick. I was noticing
0: uh, Ari and I think Callie too kind of grooving to that Ten Story Love song. I know I know Ari's taste real well and I'm guessing he loves that song.
3: I was going to say that's better than any of the songs on the first album and as good as any of those hits like Don't You Forget About Me or There She Goes Again by The Laws which is like uh-huh. also better than the Stone Roses influenced a whole lot of stuff that was better than the Stone Roses, I think. Man. But that was that was that one song saves the second album and kind of justifies the first album as them actually being a really important group because they found they like they hit they, it was a really great hit. Yeah. Wow. You
1: know.
2: See, I yeah, I mean, I really liked I liked the first album a lot, and I did not like the second so much. But that was one of the few the few songs on that on the second album that I did like, and I agree. With Bleacher, that it could have it could have lived in the first one
3: um but that's interesting I it i wouldn't put
2: it up there with with those you know one hit wonders or hits like i, I wouldn't put them i
3: don't know this that's was their one it hit, on a pretty man. high pedestal to me this was their one hit i mean this was their one hit that a, a lame like me would know i was like oh yeah great great single great record that one <laughs> you know <laughs> good. and then the rest of it was like what but then you know you sometimes you only need one awesome song and the rest doesn't matter what the rest are if you can be like yeah but i've got this on my record so that was kind of that's how i he- heard the second one yeah, it
0: is an amazing song but we yeah. should just back up for one second though cuz michael like this record when it came out was not i guess it people didn't like it right i mean this is definitely seemed to be like a big flop and
1: yeah huge yeah. it, it was a big i mean i don't want to say dud because i like i said i i love it but the reviews are 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 not great i mean you know there are, <laughs> there were some people that, that that liked it um but but there were a lot that for example rolling stone once again got yeah. gave the record two out of five stars this is actually a pretty good quote calling it songs quote tuneless retro psychedelic grooves bloated to six plus minutes in length unquote <laughs> Is that, like that the gym? Is that Jim? No, that's... Well, no, no, uh, this is before, it's a, it's before Jim was there. Um, And it's, you know, most of it is just like, you know, three stars out of five, you know. Yeah, so in five. contrast to that first album, which is considered
0: one of the greatest ever, this yeah. was just,
1: yeah, landed
0: yeah. with a big thud.
1: Right. Did you
2: think and that it performed so poorly because people had like that five-year hype and wait and like the first album did so well? Like, would it have... Still stunk if it was just on its own.
1: Uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Like if they had never done the first album and the, this is their this was it. I don't know. M- maybe it might. It, it, I do think a big part of it is, you know, th- I mean, the weight of expectations. Like there was no way they could ever live up to it. And plus, the five years—that's a long time. And and like we were saying earlier, the scene was dead at that point and just like you know if the whole album was 10 story love songs probably what everyone would have loved like oh the Stones are back you know but or the Stone Rose are back but but it's it's just so different like all the songs are they're all over the place like for example this song Begging You <laughs> All right, so that song, people, a lot of the critics actually like that song. So some of the quotes, they said, uh, it's described as the Mondays meets the White Album. It's uh, like a techno song, only done with real instruments. It's like a Steppenwolf song for the 90s. Tricky called it Wicked. Uh, It's been called the most thrilling track on the album. It's been described as a hyperkinetic rock techno fusion of ballistic blues riffs and looped beats. Um, It's been named among their 10 best songs. It is to drum and bass with the Beatles tomorrow never knows was to acid house. It's a high speed dance floor dogfight. The, the best quote is from uh, Simon Reynolds. He says <laughs> he felt the song accurately simulates quote the panic rush of an eat up raver wondering how and why the rave dream is dying all around him. Unquote. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> an interesting track. Cause it doesn't fit like neatly. It's not a techno song. It's like a straight techno song. Isn't
0: that kind of what like the Prodigy sounds like? I mean, not a huge, yeah, so,
1: I, a little bit, but not really. Like, I'm a huge Prodigy guy too, and and, and this is um, it, it's a little bit Prodigy, but it's it's like Prodigy meets like I thought Steppenwolf was a really good because John Squire is doing like dr- like feedback guitar stuff in the background, you know what I mean, like a rock album, and Manny and Rennie are doing um, the rhythm section is doing like techno like they're doing it for real they're playing it not sam or uh, programming it but they're doing like a, a techno beat so it's it's yeah, like-,
0: like maybe chemical brothers chemical brothers well, yeah. just like edm yeah.
3: instead of rock but yeah. yeah it's really cool like now that you i really like it now and i didn't get it even a week ago why i didn't like it because i didn't see it as edm but rather as rock it's like i like edm and this is pre-edm you know it like sort of in it was it's pre and it's really really cool and ahead of its time in that way and it sounds pretty bad pretty like evil and, and great now that i hear it just now mate having made that
1: epiphany yeah i i agree it's got kind of a um dark it's kind of ominous sounding a little bit you know what i mean like it's yeah like, um and you know, it's something that's pretty cool about it i you know i'm not a big lyrics guy but but uh I guess all the, or a lot of the lyrics are from Aesop's fables and John Squire said that, um, the he says the song was loosely based on material from Public Enemy's album, Fear of a Black Planet. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't know what all that means, but it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty cool tune. But, you know, again... That tune, like that's not only is it different from the first album, but it's different than the rest of this album. You know, it's just, it's all, the album's all over the place. Um, and then I think there's another song that I think is, is really cool. It's one of the last ones on the record. Um, it's called How Do You Sleep? And, and this song sounds like, to me, just like a classic rock tune. I've
3: seen your seven.
1: I've seen your severed head at a banquet for the dead is a pretty killer opening line to a tune.
0: Yeah, um, that, that, that song reminded me um, right away of love and rockets. Oh yeah. Yeah. i can see that. Like the, their second album. Yeah. Express. I think it was their second album. It totally reminded me of that, but with
1: like Mick Taylor guitar hooks added on top. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that one feels the most kind of, um, like classic rock, like I was saying, which again, that doesn't really sound like, you know, any of their other stuff. So that's just a few of the kind of songs that I feel like are are different genres or mashups of different genres. But, you know, I think what this album is known for and what I love it for the most are, you know, the kind of bluesy jammy tunes of which I think three are are absolutely incredible. Um, the first one is called Driving South. I feel like this is just a wicked Just a wicked team. Squire just going bananas and so there's a great great quote i forget where i read it um that said the the stone rose's first album was them on ecstasy and their second album is them on cocaine which i feel yeah, like daniels yeah pretty good yeah that's a pretty good uh pretty good pretty good quote so the, I, another song i'm not gonna play but the first song on the album breaking to heaven is like like that 11 and a half minute jam, you know, the opener, that's a great one. You know, it takes a little while to ramp up, but once it kicks in, it's, it's a groover, man. It's a really, this whole album's groovy as shit. And that album's, their song is super groovy. Um, but I feel like the other great. Blues- oh, hey, don't,
0: don't move on though real quick. Cause I, okay. I, I want to hear, cause I have thought Callie, I feel like might like it because it's sort of like, that's quite, what I it's sort of like white stripes, but with like, no, uh, with, but, but, no but with like a real groovy, so you either like it or hate it.
2: No, I don't like it. I specifically yeah. don't like this. And there's another song on the album. They're like they have like this like American country twang or something too. I don't even know what it
3: is. hair metal. It's almost like unintentionally comical in hair metal, but it's also but it's blues like rock.
2: cheesy country almost. I don't and know. That's like Southern fried, really,
3: yeah, yeah. Southern fried riffage. Yeah. But it's also it's like Molly like Hatchet. Crazy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't get into it. I, I like when the, like when the vocals start, like but the whole intro, like... I, I
3: was just, also hearing... Um, exactly. I was hearing, wouldn't you believe that it's just my luck? Wouldn't <laughs> you believe that it's just my luck? You know, because it's like... D-d-d-d-d-d. They totally are a different band. You would never recognize the band, except for that single.
2: Yeah, I think they have, like, some American influence or something overall in this album that I'm just not digging. <laughs> like, that I really liked about the first album that was, like, squarely...
0: Yeah, I think it was. I, I think I know what the American influence is, and it's uh, Aerosmith. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but like not in a good way. I think he's yeah. like
0: totally Joe Perry. He's like Joe Perry up. Yeah. Too much Joe
1: Perry. Well, then this is, again, I do. John Squire is a really underrated guitar player. He's really incredible, he, but he doesn't do a lot of like riffage, you know what I mean? But this tune is just a shred, like a, just a riff fest, man. It's. And I think it pairs nicely. Move on. There's another great bluesy tune. Michael's like we're gonna move on from this one. Let's well, no, on. we got. <laughs>
2: I need to know what you thought that I would like about this, though. That's what I'm so. curious Well, I think it and does have thought, like you it does like have Jack white. Like, where is that coming from? Well, I think it has this. a bit of
0: that sort of like really, really like blues, swampy blues, but it's got a groovier b- bottom, which I think. You don't yeah,
2: like it. it's a little bit more like, like, the, like the, the drumming color. is
0: more syncopated and stuff. There's a lot more going on rhythmically, but it has that the guitar part's kind of swampy and you know I thought you might react to that positively. No,
2: negatively. <laughs> negatively <laughs> it
0: negative. went the
2: other direction.
3: And
0: I, I and know. I knew Ari was not. I I feel like Ari was probably like really having a hard time holding back on that one.
3: I mean, I don't even know where to start because <laughs> the two albums don't even sound like the same band. And so, may, if I may. Uh, I'm making a record, and our producer was like, well, you're doing a podcast about Stone Roses? Dude, they're my favorite band. And he was like, here's the deal. The first album is this album that's known widely as one of the best albums of all time, and it's this incredible album, unbelievable album. And then the second album, and then he was he was like, they got really famous, did a ton of drugs, got really rich. There was legal problems. They became huge rock stars. Uh, they, the two guys hated each other, and then they made a second album. They didn't really have any material, and the second guy – Uh, decided he was kind of a hard rock guitar. He he was dominated with the hard rock guitar, which didn't even make an appearance in the first album. And um, between them hating each other and being burned out on drugs, not having material, having this huge expectation set, um, it was just kind of this unlistenable mess of riffs. And it didn't sound like the Stone Roses, except for that single, which is like, oh, 10-story love song. Yeah, we, you know, how can you not like that? And so um, um, I was like, okay. And so I listened for the first album to hear the genius. And it's way more genius than Kanye. I'm hearing the genius as compared to Kanye, where I'm like, what? But, um, but it's like, to me, it reminds me a little bit of like Pablo Honey or Definitely Maybe or Gish, where it's like the album that hints, it hints really strongly at something amazing to come. and Because the songs are... Like, I want to be adored. Here, here are the songs that are incredible on in the first album. I want to be adored. <laughs> um, and then Waterwall. Great. Yeah. Um, Bye Bye Badman is the bad, is like the one that's without beyond reproach, in my opinion. And then This Is The One is really good. And um, uh, The Resurrection is really good. And that's it. And a few of those go on way too long, but they're really good. But they're not like, um, what's the story Morning Glory good? Or, you know, The One After Gish or um uh uh, after pablo honey you know like it's the pre album it's the album that they're like oh you know and then you make the humongous album but the second album they made they just missed the boat or didn't have the ideas and you know what it's hard to write like what's the story morning Glory?" where it's like holy shit um, so that's my
1: opinion on these guys. Yeah, well, I think that's a good a good thing to talk about. I mean, I think first of all, I think he, he, that's a, your producers are pretty good. That's a really succinct and correct. I mean, that's pretty much how everybody feels. Again, not me, obviously, but but uh, one thing that I, I I probably tend to agree with him, and like I said, the kind of uh, what you know, the accepted you know narrative is that. They just dicked around for four years, you know, drank, did a bunch of drugs, whatever, and and probably didn't, you know. John Squire probably wasn't writing a bunch of songs and stashing them away. Like, I think they were like, all right, fuck, we got to do an album. So they hold up for a year. And I think that's probably why, you know, there are some like poppier singles here and there and like weirder ones, like Begging You and stuff. But uh, that's probably why a lot of the album is so jammy because even those like four or five extra songs I was talking about that are only on the singles. Um, 12 inches those are just jammy they're all like eight minute jammy songs as well so it's almost like they like half of it like you know what i would love i would love you know what they've been doing with the beatles you know like they just released the revolver super box set it sounds great yeah that's what i heard i heard it's amazing and like get back they released that I think they released, didn't they release a version of Let It Be that was like 20 albums or something? It was like everything they recorded, the whole, like, that's what I want for this. Like, I'd love to hear, because I love all the, the jammy stuff. I, would, I mean, I'd love to hear more of that, personally. But anyway, I, I think that, that that probably is true, that they probably didn't have a ton of material. And that's why a lot of these songs are kind of stretched out. And or, I think a lot of these songs were probably born from jams. You know, they probably just did a bunch of blow and just started jamming. And they're like, yeah. all right, we'll find I a mean, song in there. And they were too famous for anybody to, to, to,
3: like, not be a sycophant, you know, to chow, to say that to them. They yeah. were too famous. Did, 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 like, you hear that, you? did
0: you hear that, like, Ian, was he, like, kind of bullied by John? Like, sort of not, you know, like, like kind of pushed out of the way? Like, was he not, like, a strong character? Or-
1: yeah, I don't know. All I, that I've read is just that, um, you know, I think they co-wrote the whole first album. And I was and- going to just ask who wrote that album yeah i think they co-wrote it the first one and i think john wrote like 90 percent of the second one and i don't know why i don't know how that happened i don't know if he pushed him he was like no i'm doing it or if, or maybe maybe um he just didn't want you know to write anything i don't know but but I, john pretty much took over for, for this one yeah it sounds like a different band yeah it totally does and, and i do think like Again, that kind of now, Callie. I agree with Joe. I I thought you were going to like this album because I, this is a very guitar centric album, and I, it does remind me a little bit of of the White Stripes. It sounds like you don't think so, but I I, I thought the same. The,
0: listeners cannot see uh, Callie's reaction, but she's falling backwards,
1: <laughs> <laughs> mortified. <laughs> Well, I think th- this is another really great tune. It's it's in the kind of bluesy jam your vein. I saved all these till the end. Um, but but this one's called Daybreak and, it, and it's a it's longer, it's like seven minutes, but it's and it's also one of those kind of it, it like the tempo doubles. And this is the love we
3: make, but love is the law. Yeah. You got to know how I love we it, yeah. are. It's more than a move. You know it takes all fast so fast on song.
1: And that one goes on. I mean, it is, it is longer, and it it, it does a, a great like double tempo in the last third of the song. It picks up, and, and John just starts. I wish this song was twice as long because John starts soloing in the last <laughs> one yeah. second. Ari just reacted to yeah, nice that. shit <laughs> he just starts shredding just at the very end. Here, I'm gonna <laughs>
3: You have to be on Molly, and you have to be on the Molly or something. Is anyone on this
2: on this call on Molly?
3: You know, but the first time I heard I'm reggae, I was like, Monday? "What is this shit?" And I was in high school, and somebody passed me a joint, and then I was like, "Oh my god, reggae!" And I was just so into it. I heard it, I saw the light because I took a puff from a joint, and like before that, I was just like, "Blah." And I have a alternatively
2: feeling what... i think that some people listen to jam music when they're sober and it puts them in that headspace because it's just repetitive and yeah. like without that's, the Mike, that's michael a that's, what, that's what michael does yeah <laughs> i mean you can mix the two but i feel like they go hand in hand what?
3: and the dead i mean i think jamming and drugs and sort of like being high work together then there's nothing then you just yeah
2: well, this whole era, just, right? Like,
3: yeah, <laughs> like just exactly. The genre. <laughs> that's right. Matt, yeah. That Manchester scene did not, was not, you know, was a,
1: a druggie-fueled. Yeah, drug-fueled, F- drug for sure. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, I, I, I do love that stuff, and I, I wish, it always saddens me when the song ends, because I'm like,
0: it was funny when you said, if this were only twice as long, Ari's reaction was
1: like, she stabbed him in the heart. <laughs> no, I just my attention
3: span is like a fruit fly. I'm like, right. well, I'm
1: curious to hear what. So I've saved uh, the best for last, and I think um, this is w- like one of the absolute best songs of, of the decade of the 1990s. I remember when when this album. I was in my car. I was in college, and I was driving, and the DJ was like the stone roses are back. And I was like, Whoa, I almost fucking pulled my car over. You know, they got a new album and this is the first single and it, and it's, it's love spreads, right. Is, is the song. And, and it started, and I was expecting, you know, something simple, like everybody, something similar to the first album. Right. And and it turned out to be this six minute, just like face melting guitar. And I, I, I'll never forget that, the rest of my life. I immediately went out and bought it. But I do think Love Spreads is one of the absolute best songs of of the decade, probably. So and it goes on, you know, and and Squire tears it up. Um, you know that 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 song it, you know, it was ext- it, it, that song was popular right? you know it was it's called the greatest comeback single of all time. and um I think people liked it a lot. I mean, I know I did, but it was it was definitely jarring because of how different it was. and, and I think that the rest of the album, you know, while some of the songs are, similar i i think the album isn't doesn't have kind of a. it'd be one thing if the whole album was like you know slide blues guitar psychedelic jams like that but but that's only about a third of the album so i i think that you know that coupled with the the time that went by and coupled with the fact that the manchester scene was was over um i think people were just you know disappointed that song by the way i i never i never knew this until recently the song is its supposedly about the passion of Christ, where Jesus is reimagined as a black woman. So that's what love spreads. I, have, I had no idea that that was what it was about, but evidently it is. Um, Are you a lyrics woman, Kelly?
2: Yeah, a little bit.
3: I'm not. Uh, so You're not um, a lyrics woman? <laughs> no i can't i never listened for them like the quote michael just made i was like interesting because i would have never even tried to listen for them mm-hmm. i listen i was like more it was more like this metal song is kind of badass this metal song is cool and then i hear the english accent and i'm like oh i love england and i love bread prop and i'm like whoa this like you know it doesn't it's so crazy. weird together yeah it's like catch up yeah. with your steak
1: yeah, yeah it, it is true it is uh and yeah i, I never knew that's I mean, I'm not a lyrics guy either, so I, I didn't, but I, I just thought that was very interesting. I guess that's a whole other thing is to dive into their lyrics and see, because I don't really know. I think they're smart guys, you know? I feel like they, are. Yeah. they are,
2: yeah. They appear different. to be very clever, and of the times, especially the first album, they touch on, like, the British royalty, and I don't know. They they have a, different, a lot of different themes they explore, especially in the first album, I found.
1: Yeah, so that's... Uh, That's it. I I don't, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised that it's, you know, it's been uh, 25 plus years now since this came out. I'm surprised it hasn't been kind of reassessed and, you know, because I get it. You know, when it came out, you know, it was part of a certain scene. It sounded totally different. A lot of time had gone by. Like, I get all that. Okay, so people were disappointed. All right, fine. But usually, you know, a couple decades go by and it gets reassessed on its own merits, you know. And, and um it's just a fucking groover of a record, man. And I, I'm just surprised it hasn't really. I've never met anybody that really lo- loves or even likes it that much. So um I don't know if you're listening, guys. I'm, I'm fighting the good fight. Well,
0: it's funny. It's funny you say that because um, I have a lot. Of, I mean, I could say a lot of it. I'll make the show too long. I got a lot of opinions here. But when you first gave us the assignment. Um, I was listening on my way to a hockey game, like at 10 o'clock. It's about 35 minutes to get to the rink. So I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity. Like, and I put it on. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking horrible. Like, this is just I'm like, Michael, you're going to kill us. This is Which such album, a, the
2: second album. The
0: second album. You know, like, this is just awful. I'm like, thank God, they only have two albums. And like, I was like, I mean, literally, I was like, this is the longest ride of my life. I can't <laughs> wait to get out of the cars. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And I feel like it was this process of. Then I went back to the first album, like let me go check that out because I'd heard it. You know, I didn't. I knew some of the songs. Um, Fool's Gold, right? That's on that one. Um, it was a killer track, and well, that's,
1: I did like one of the singles. That's actually not on the album, but it's a it's a it was a single. Or they maybe they put it on later, I guess. Yeah, they put on, it on later. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, um, but anyway, I mean, I was like, this is definitely a good album. But then it was almost it was this process of like like chipping away at like a huge wall of concrete. Cause I'm like, I I'm going to, I'm going to understand this band. I got to You know, cause I respect your opinion. I'm like, I'm going to listen until I understand what the hell is going on here. <laughs> and it was a painful, painful process, but I did actually come out the other <laughs> side and I like broke through the wall and I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are fucking genius. I'm like, but I, I haven't, oh. well, you know, the second album is I, yeah, I'm not there yet. You
3: have to, but. you have to, you have to like hard rock. And if you don't, it's going to be a tough sell. What, yeah. out of context and it, within context even more so because that's not Brit Pop it's like not the Manchester scene it's hard rock it's kind of hard rock it's yeah. a totally different thing yeah and it's it like it's, clo-
0: it's closer to like Molly Hatchet than like it's, it, like, it flirting. it's like flirting with disaster
1: yeah. yeah yeah true I never thought about that but it is kind of a that is kind of an American I mean I guess there's who who's the um, boys are back in town um <laughs> Thin Lizzy. Yeah. It's got kind of a yeah. thin. Yeah. They're uh, from the UK, right? So I mean, they're, yeah, Irish, I think. Thin Lizzy. Yeah, but, but I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, you're right. But it's funny because he's not, the thing is
0: that throws you, I think, Ari, like when the vocals come in, he's not like a, like a lot of Brits sound American when they're singing. He just sounds like this super British dude with a, out of the new, um, you know, new wave era, singing on top of this blues rock. It's bizarre.
3: Yeah, it's almost like part of their sound is to have that accent. You either have the accent or you don't have that. This sounds like uh, like a Sammy Hagar solo album. Uh, I'll take <laughs> B-side B- until the singer. And it's like, oh, man, badly drawn voice uh, teaming up with Sammy Hagar. What the hell? You know, whatever. <laughs> uh,
0: the combo this- everybody's wanted. <laughs>
3: you know, uh, it, it takes, you know what? It makes more of a statement and it knows itself more than the first album. It's like, yo, this is what this is going to sound like. Whereas the first album is like, we have a lot of good ideas. We're really high and we're going to do them best we can and then jam out. But like, this is like the guitar, the guitar player going, I like to rock and I'm going to rock this album. And it's like I'm going to rock hard and it's a badass driving album. Like when, when that, that song that I was singing the Nirvana song over, it sort of sounded like, uh, in, what's that vampire TV show, Blood something, True Blood? Oh, true yeah. Blood. I imagine being in a pickup truck at night in the woods, like barreling down towards a party, being like, I don't know this guy or where, <laughs> what party this is going to be. So it's kind of cool on that level. It just doesn't sound like British anything. <laughs> what was this about, Nirvana? Oh, I was going, Wouldn't you believe that it's just my luck? bro. It's called No Recess. No, 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 no. That's you know, all the bleach, no right? Recess. Yeah, it's a bleach yeah. album. So it sounds just like a bleach. Which is also like Britpop, bleach, like you know, but uh, it's not unflattering in its own right if you forget that it's Britpop or ever was.
1: It's cool. Yeah, it's and you know, so ninety four. I mean, that's like right in the middle of of grunge, I guess. Right? Is that? I guess it is. is, Yeah. Ninety four. This is not grungy at all. So it's uh, that probably didn't help it either. I guess. Yeah, there's it's no power good. chords, no bar chords at all. It's all just it's,
0: riff, little riffs. I mean, he's like Jimmy Page and you know a lot of Page and a lot of uh, Joe Perry. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with both of those. A lot of riffage. Um,
3: but whatever, like Oasis is hugely influenced by these guys, but not by the second album at all. No. But so <laughs> much by the first album. Like well, you almost- know
1: what? You know what reminds me of um, of a song off this. And I, what year was "What's the Story, Morning Glory"? Was that 94? five, five four or five so i think um the song what's the story morning glory i'm gonna pull that up I, I feel like if i remember correctly i feel like what's the story morning glory was totally influenced the song mm-hmm. by point. um this by by uh, this album because I, that, yeah, that's a good point but- that song man I remember when that I came out that. this was the first I had heard of Oasis because I don't think I had heard the first album I heard this song it's the bluesy that's the only difference and it's so uh, yeah. it, it, it's hard rock, rock it's still hard rock it sounds like all your dreams are made when you
3: change to the mirror and the raise play. So change the
1: song that is what a big band (laughs) yeah um so i I wouldn't be surprised if they i'm sure they heard the album a lot you know they were big fans i you know i i don't know if they i don't know how they feel about they're you know they're so opinionated i know they love the first album they love the band i don't know how they feel about the second album but i feel like that song might have been inspired by second coming a little bit
3: yep i totally hear it it's hard rock as well but it's like very english and the second stones um uh stone roses album doesn't sound as english as the, the oasis were just so english but yeah, yeah. otherwise they're both really
1: like hard liam had such a great like commanding voice too you know like yeah what he's saying just like mm-hmm.
3: i love them that's they're cool as hell and it's interesting when like a band that's so influential and huge creates bands that are greater and a lot of them and i think maybe the velvets are that way because that's not a great like you know it's, I love it so much, but the bands that it inspired, some of them are, you know, the best bands of all time. And I think, I think you put of... it
0: really well, Ari, that that first album like hinted, it was starting to hint at the greatness of the second. I think that was perfect. It was like Gish and Simon's just, Dream or like, you know, like Bleach pointing to later Amazing yep. Nirvana, but then it just didn't really pan out, but it had these, these way ripple effect that was so much greater with these yep. all those other bands.
3: Cause I think riff, like, right. I think jamming and trying to write songs that way ain't gonna, I think, like, writing really good songs is really hard. And they didn't have more better ones to make that seminal, you know, what, whatever, like that humongous album, the first one hinted at. First album was great, but you know, um, um, if they'd made the second one where every song is a stone cold hit, then that's what you were expecting. That's what I was expecting, um, having heard the first one and being like, oh, you know there's some
1: really good ideas there
0: but it sounds like michael was pretty psyched with how the second one turned out didn't want like the first album on steroids really
1: yeah i mean i um i i did i i immediately unlike obviously most people i immediately uh loved it because i i love you know my favorite band is, is zeppelin and i i'm a big fan of you know classic rock and and slide guitar and you know swampy kind of and I love jamming so Ari I hate the same stuff you do I hate the dead I hate fish I hate jam bands all that stuff I I hate it this I love though and it's and it's jammy but it's it's um it's it's my kind of jamming you know what I mean it's yeah just squire going nuts you know on the guitar and Joe you said something earlier that was was interesting I thought about um driving south maybe, and we were saying we thought Callie would like it. Yeah. So it's it's like a rock and roll, like a hard rock song, the guitar is. But you're right, the rhythm section is playing some weird stuff underneath. And that that's one of the things that made the Stone Roses interesting, I, I think, is that th- they had a little bit of like a drum and bass. Mm-hmm. The rhythm section was still dance influenced a little bit, I think. Yeah. The, the rhythm section
0: of, is worth a conversation in its own right because it's incredible like yeah they're really good those, i mean i mean you're a drummer i don't know i i was blown away like i was watching the i think wheaton show is that the their comeback
1: yeah or i, Glass, Glass, Glass- and I too. i forget what i one saw
0: one. some of the footage of him playing and just the way that he i mean so creative and it's perfect rhythm and the you know the way he would swing and then the bass yes. is just thunder totally thundering
3: bass and I dare yeah. say, uh, other than the songwriting, the, 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 the bass and the drums is what, ma- you know, is what the takeaway
0: Yeah,
3: uh, from this band. Kelly, what do you think about Blur and the way the genre jumped every album was like a different band? Like, what do you guys think about that? But every album, like, you wouldn't know it was Blur. And it was like, it yeah. every- went on and on like that. So I was like, uh... I like woohoo, but then like, I'm not, yeah. it's like reading a brand new book by a new author every single time instead of another Murakami book. I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't hang. And so I, um, yeah. that's my only beef with the second go. Sorry to interrupt.
2: No, you're good. Uh, I don't know. This, it's something that I, I think about all the time, ta- like whenever, especially when I'm coming across like a, a new band, like, I think if I had listened to the second album first, I would have liked it more but what I did was I listened to the first and then immediately started the second. uh Uh-huh. And so I think I I let like a lot of biases get in the way. Like I can't just listen to it in a vacuum. And so now like, like you know, rehearing like as we're listening to it, like individual tracks, I'm like, yeah, I could get behind it. But I listened to it like all in one go. That's why I asked earlier, like, do you think it the second one would have been such like a commercial flop or whatever, like not as living up to the hype? Like, A, if they didn't have as much time between the two albums, but B, like, if they came out in a different order, if there was, like, one between them. Like, I think it, it's being, like, the sophomore album, like, the,
3: something about the that. The sophomore thing, slump.
2: Like, yeah, something about, it, like, and so I feel that way about a lot of different bands. Like, I'm fine if the albums don't tell, like, a cohesive story, like, you don't listen to them all in one go, but I feel like the the mistake is trying to listen to their like discography in order.
3: Did you say earlier, Ari, that you weren't really a lyrics person? I'm not. It's funny because I'll be like, oh, the sound of the singer's voice, the way she says this word. And I don't know what the word is. It's just hard to pay attention. It's too much work. Like I'm listening to music with the melody. I'm like, ah, soaking up the melody and the sound of the singer. And then lyrics is like reading the liner notes. It's doing more, it's more proactive. It just seems like more paying attention than I can do. But I know I'm missing half the game, ball game but like, it's so funny
0: because i thought what you were going to say about this music is that it doesn't have the narrative thread or the literary element that's what you don't like about jam music but it's more about you just don't want to hear the same riff over and over again i have no idea like what he's important. on
3: about no even yeah. on the on the first album um i'm i'm listening to like how he sings and some of the little licks in the beginning of the song sounds like Champagne Supernova, like references, you know, that are familiar cultural touch points. Songwriting involves like having writing a really cool melody and, and, and then a bridge and a chorus. You know, if you're gonna be a cliche and do it to the formula, it's verse, chorus, verse. And they're they're supposed to not sound like anything else. They're supposed to be really catchy, really good. And like, hey, what was that? I want to hear it again. Is the next one going to be as good? But like when you don't have those melodic ideas and instead you jam and you rock and you're great guitarist and it's driving and it's evil, then it's not a song as such. It's music. (laughs) I would love
2: for you to define what you keep saying, evil.
3: (laughs) You said evil evil a couple times to (laughs) describe music? Um, When it doesn't sound hopeful and it rocks, but there's (laughs) nothing fun about it. Like, you know, the Stone Roses. We're we're like, we're not having fun. We'll kill you. We're going to kill you. You know, it's kind of like that, <laughs> as opposed to like Molly Hatchet or like, well, well, run, 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 you know, like hey, let's get naked. It's like different. <laughs> and what else would you consider evil? Like what other? Um, it's just a tone. It's like a feel. You know, like Weezer tuned down half a step to sound satanic, and it's like, oh shit, these guys are heavy rock And metal and pop. Wait, Weezer is and, evil
2: too.
3: So Weezer <laughs> tunes their instruments down half a step to sound. <laughs> To sound, sound evil. evil? And it does. It works. It sounds evil. I have
2: never heard someone describe music as evil except for like Marilyn Manson or some
3: shit. Well, Metallica is evil all the way, all across. Never is it funny. It evil? Never cute. Yes, really evil. Evil in its stupidness. <laughs> evil in how dumb it is. No, but like there's no ideas there. They're melodic, zero. And uh, but that's I'm, I digress. Evil, evil sound, <laughs> you know, like uh, dun- that that driving song uh i'll never fall in love uh, chris isaac no oh, yeah sounds evil like somebody just died but nobody will ever find out yeah. like you know it just sounds foreboding or or creepy or like i'm gonna punch you in the face music
2: are the smiths evil
3: they're not they're sad and they're beautiful.
2: emo
3: they're emo but they're not evil they're the okay. opposite they're cuddly <laughs> And you know, like yeah, they're soft. You kind of want to hold
2: them and console them. Exactly, okay.
3: console them. Yeah, yeah, they're not going <laughs> to f- hurt you physically, assault you. No e- evil, you know, evil sounding music. You know, like Slayer, Black Sabbath, Sabbath, I mean, like Witchy Sabbath.
2: Woman. Like, what is evil? Is that that's not evil? What is not Witchy Woman?
3: <laughs> no, that's no. Uh, that's the only thing you can say evil. Because you can kind of dance to it, Witchy Woman. I think it's kind of like fun. Fun can evil and fun aren't in the same freeway.
2: Okay. I'll need to keep an eye out. This is i uh, I've never heard someone describe music as evil as much as you have.
3: Evil sounding? Uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. Metal. I mean, uh, yeah. It's
2: metal. Yeah. You just say metal. I
3: don't know. A lot of music scares Ari.
2: I know. I had to, I
3: had to, had to stop. I'm a fire that. starter. It's scary. I'm a fire starter. <laughs> I'm a fire starter. I was like, dude, okay. You are a fire starter. Don't, don't hurt me, dude. But it's, <laughs> that's what's good about it. But it's evil. That's evil. So I was listening to the prodigy
1: in the car. I dropped the kids off to school and I was listening to the prodigy, like full volume. And I dr- pull up in front of the house for my wife to drop her off at work. And she gets, she opens the door and she's just like, what, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I love the prodigy. man. Uh, slap
3: that, you know, it's, it's confrontational and it's dangerous and it's cool. You know. Confrontational and dangerous. <laughs> Rock and roll.
0: Well, so we should do the
1: uh, summation. I mean, the quick summation here. Well, you know, I like it. I'm I'm a little disappointed there hasn't I've been waiting for uh, people to kind of, you know, rediscover it and kind of re-examine it. You know, a lot of times legacy reviews will be better. I mean, it ha- the legacy reviews for the first time are even better now, you know, than they were then. But it hasn't really happened yet. So I don't know if it will. What about you, Callie? Um,
2: I mean, I really like the first... The first album, not so much the second. Although there were a couple charmers, but overall,
0: eh. was there anything about Michael's defense that sort of opened your eyes? Or- <laughs>
2: not <laughs> really. That's <laughs> a no. I'm walking away feeling the same, but I, I don't know. I'm glad. I, I'm glad to discover that I really liked the first album. The second album just like didn't didn't do much for me.
0: You weren't feeling those guitar jams at all.
2: I mean, I. I Yeah, I mean, that might be the only thing I liked, but it didn't make up for the album in in its totality. I'll just say that if they had a third album, I probably would not be excited coming off the second one
3: to listen to a third one. Ari? Yeah, I mean, I want to like, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan of the the podcast and I've heard all the episodes and they're really, for a music nerd, for like somebody who's really granular, like lives and breathes music, it's a great podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming on such an honor to be on. Um, I want to just say that, um, um, I want to say like to Michael's point, well, first of all, I never said that the uh, Phil Spector, Wall of Sound, reverb drenched production of the first album was kind of distracting and annoying. And it was of the time. I just don't like that kind of production. It's like, uh, it's like a fifth band member. And the second album to Michael's point is totally doesn't have any, anything other than 10 story loves it. Like the big hit song that even harkens uh, informs the first album. Thank you, Joe, for that word. They don't inform each other. And like, and I like that. That wall of sound reverb is gone. It's kind of like, it It rocks really hard. But the main takeaway, again, is 10-story love. Song. It must have been in a movie or something, like a really big movie, because I'm a layperson when it comes to that that whole scene. And this is one of my favorite singles. If it just came up in a jukebox in a bar, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I might not know Stone Rose. I definitely wouldn't. But what a great song. You're like, I love so Charlatans UK. <laughs> I, I don't know that band. I don't know the Happy Mondays, the 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 Spiral Carpets. I didn't hear any of those bands because the jamming. But Ten Story Love Song is like um what was that Aztec camera hit? Summer in the City and the Air is chill. Somewhere in my heart, you know, that song, there is a star that rise for you. Dun, 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 dun. Love will see you through. Yeah, yeah. They had a song on the radio and it was good. And so like I think the second album is better because I love a really great hit song. And, and the first album had three or four really pretty cool, good songs, but not like a superstar hit.
0: Well, I think think. uh, I I fell in love with the first album. Like I definitely was sad that I missed it. I feel kind of bad that Ari and I were in England at the time. This is that album was blown up and kind of missed it because I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant. And what really, really turned me on to it was seeing the live footage of them Mm -hmm. on, on YouTube and just like, they were phenomenal and the, the rhythm section. And I think Ian Brown's a super cool front man. Like he's just so chill and he's got a great vibe, great lyrics, great, great vocal quality. Um, I actually liked John Squire on the first album. Like he's more reined in mm-hmm. and I love, I like, he's really a phenomenal player. I agree with you, but I, I like him reined in. I think on the second album, he just had way too much control over the aesthetics and it kind of ruined it for me. But um, I do think that that, I'm glad you pointed out that "Begging You" song because I think it is pretty phenomenal. And uh, yeah, 10 Story Love Song" is great. And there's another one that I had starred. Uh, "Good Times" I think was oh, yeah. a really good, a
1: really good song too. Yeah, that song is cool. That that's a that's a rocker. That's a little jammer. I, I mean, I know what you're saying about um, Squire. You know, I, I do love, you know, how he was playing on this, just because I love that kind of music, you know, that he lets loose and he's jamming and going nuts. And but the first album, I, I, what you're saying is totally true. Like it's, it's probably, it's a lot more interesting what he did on the yep. first, than on the second, album. the second album, it's more balls to the wall. It's like Stone Roses do cock rock. You know what I mean? He was just, yeah, just it's just like so
0: many, things. there's so many notes. There's so many yeah, notes. I yeah, don't which, even know yeah, like, which
1: I one. that stuff. But the first album, he, the stuff he plays is really interesting. If you yeah. listen to him. you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's
3: cool. It's like a different guy. It's like Andy Summers or The Edge suddenly growing horns and being like, give me that, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: like, what? Right? Big, right? <laughs> right. Right. The Edge. Yeah, you The Edge, edge it, goes rogue. Yeah, but own it. You know, like, that's a good. Uh, I like surprises.
1: Those are, those are good comparisons. Like the Andy Summers, that that's a good call. And I feel like Johnny Marr, too. There's there's a lot of yeah. Johnny Marr. Yeah, there.
0: it's almost like what I was thinking is that first album was a um, – like a perfect balance and they were like a, dr- a democracy. I don't know if they were or not, but it felt like it. Yeah. And then it suddenly like it got disrupted and it went one leg of the stool got longer or something. And I don't know what the analogy is, but it just wasn't. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. No, I think that's,
1: didn't work that's as well. exactly what happened. Yeah. J- Squire was like, all right, we're going to do a bunch of blow and I'm going to just shred on this album. And they were all just like, okay, fine. And the, yeah. the other important guy checked out. Yeah. 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 Ian all right well cool i'm glad uh i'm glad you guys like the first album i encourage you guys if you like uh the first record check out there's an album called the complete stone roses and there's probably like 10 songs on there that are not on the first album but they're all from the same time period so like sally cinnamon is on that and fool's gold and those are all j- just like the first album. so if oh, you like first album, it's like a it's like almost like having a second album from that year i guess i'm surprised it's not better known yeah by the
3: way i know we're done and this is like i totally forgot to mention it and you know probably doesn't make the pod but what's up with scarborough fair uh totally you... ripped
0: it off yeah
3: yeah exact so, and i was like is this a joke because it was exactly scarborough fair but different words and then it ends mercifully
1: under before a minute goes by oh yeah that's um yeah but i think it was a um I think it was a it's folk a, song it's a folk song yeah Elizabeth my dear melody or whatever yeah but
0: I think it's Simon and okay, Garfunkel okay. ripped it off too
1: yeah I think it's oh. an English folk song oh. I think okay 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 I get yeah. it okay thanks
3: but yeah that was bad drugs they took that one that one <laughs> when your questions go unanswered and the silence
0: Thanks for listening to music defender produced by unlock productions, all rights reserved. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and subscribe or follow on all your favorite podcast channels.
3: Yeah. I was thinking Billy Squire because it's, you know, I like him, but the second album, John Squire channels, Billy Squire, just a quip.
0: (laughs) I wonder (laughs) if they're related. I mean, I love Billy Uh, Squire. Billy also Squire, was- I'm gonna defend Billy Squire. He's, actually, Billy Squire. He's cool,
3: man. I'm rocking. I love He's Billy enough.
0: Squire. I do too, man.
3: Stroke, Kelly. He was the like, a, he was a one-hit wonder in the '80s. Who was kind of mm-hmm. like a spandex guy, but he wasn't unlikable and he wasn't misogynistic. And he just kind of and he had a really cool voice. And his voice was produced like in a tinny way, like that didn't have like b- b- bottom. And it, I don't know. He just kind of really rocked and wrote really good hard rock hit songs, but only like two or three.
0: Yeah, he probably sold. 10 million albums or something insane. It was he he had a moment. It. He had a moment. Yeah. He, he took, well, he,
1: it's an interesting story. He he probably has like you're saying Ari, I think there's like maybe three like killer. I mean, I don't there's probably more, but the, there's three huge hits he had. Yeah. In the in yeah. the dark, in the Rocky dark. Tonight. Yeah, and the stroke yeah. and uh oh, I mean, yeah, you probably Al, You probably heard one or two of them I mean, they there were pretty big. You definitely it. heard it, yeah. He had like, a um, he was like at the peak of his popularity and have you ever heard the story about how he basically fell off the face of the earth? He 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 did a video for one of his songs, and the director was like, he had this vision that he he basically he made him dress like in like you know spandex tights and billowy shirts, and he was like hanging out in a bedroom. And he I guess he was protesting the whole video. Of Billy Square I was like, this is weird. Like, why why am I doing this? And the director's like, no, no no no, it's good. And that video single-handedly killed his entire career.
3: Oh. Video kill the radio star. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> <He's just> <laughs> <skipping> <laughs> I mean,
0: he definitely was like, "Do your best, Jagger." For sure. yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a good Halloween.
3: It's more it's the only oh, Jagger. Yes. Oh all man, all yes. man. Yeah. Uh, I can see. The oh, he's got, got another one on, on now. At the TV. Yeah,
1: oh, man. yeah that's such a bizarre. So sad. Yeah, it's like what?
3: your dad's trying to dance. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah totally.
3: All he needed was like a denim jacket and like an electric guitar. Like John Cougar even would have been I just like that cool.
2: he like rips off the shirt and then he's got another <laughs> shirt on.
1: Yeah, the next shot, he's got, a shirt he's got on. the AT under the AT. Mm. Wow, poor or guy. By, was...
2: Where did he come up? Just the, his name, Squire?
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, just because the Squire from the yeah. Stone Roses also was like pretty cool, had pretty cool riffs like that.
2: But they're not related as far as we know. It
3: doesn't Different sound British. Spelling. No, no. Different spelling. Oh. No, I was just being a wise ass. It just <laughs> one reminded me of the other, one Squire reminded me of the other. On the second album,
1: no, it's pretty good. Early in the mid-80s. Reading the YouTube comments on this video are pretty great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very Beavis and Butthead video. They'd be yeah, like, totally. Oh. <laughs> Beavis Totally <shirt>. is. <laughs> it's got to be on there. And... B- oh Billy to God. his
1: bandmates, hey, do you guys want to be in the dancing video with me? And <laughs> They're like, bandmates, no. you got it, Billy. go <laughs> for <laughs> Yeah. Oh, poor it's
3: guy.
1: It's like he, a Billy fine line between him.
3: clever and stupid. <laughs> <It's> final <laughs> tap.
2: I would love for us to do an episode where we're taking apart a music video like that.
3: Well, that's a good idea. I wish that art form was yeah. back. That's like, yeah, I whole really enjoyed. Apart I, totally
1: music video. miss videos. Yeah.
3: I don't know why they died. They were so cool. They went with music so well. It's like yep. sake and sushi. Yeah. Totally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Just like it. <laughs> just like Literally. It. <laughs> Perfect.